Thank you, Lola. That was awesome. Uh, you can preach if you want, and I can go home. What do you think? Okay, maybe next week we'll talk about it. Good morning, everyone. It is a joy to be in worship with all of you this morning. My name is Brian. I help lead the middle and high school ministry here at Bethany Green Lake, which is a joy to do. If you're part of that, thanks for being part of it. We have a lot of fun together. The rest of you are missing out. Um, Merry Christmas. It's still Christmas, and we have the opportunity today to talk a bit about Christmas has happened, Jesus has come, what happens now? Before we get there, though, I want to talk a little bit about what is happening on this Sunday. About once a quarter, we have these Sundays called Families Worshiping Together, where it's a little more crowded. There's some people that aren't quite as tall in the room. We have people of all generations in the room. And we think this is a big deal. We don't just do this because our Sunday school teachers want a break or something, or there's none of them that showed up. Uh, we do this because we really believe that it matters that we are one church together of all ages. If your experience in church is only with people your age, if the fourth graders only ever hang out with fourth graders and with Lishi, that's great, they're great, but that's not entirely what the church is about. We wanna be a community that is truly intergenerational. Jesus says, let the children come to me do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He says this right after his disciples tried to send the kids away because they were making too much noise during Jesus' sermon. And Jesus says, no way. There are things that you can learn from these kids, kids and students in the room. There are things that all the grown-ups in the room can learn about God from you that they will never learn from me that they will not learn from Richard or Abby or Megan or whatever grown-up is standing up here teaching. God says there are special things that kids have to teach us. So if you're a kid in the room and you're feeling kind of squirmy and you're worrying, Brian's probably going to talk for a long time. That's what he normally does. It's okay. You can squirm. You can make noise. You can do laps around the pews if you need to. If you're worried that other people are going to be noisy and you're like, man, that's going to be pretty annoying. Just remember, Jesus rebuked the disciples too, so he's coming for you. Um, but really, we, we do consider it a joy um, to have these Sundays once a quarter. During the Advent season, we've had this theme of with, and you see that still on the front of your bulletin, that God has come to be with us. Our question today is what now? God has come, what are we supposed to do? So up on the screen, we'll have our big idea for this morning. I'm actually gonna ask us to read this out loud together. If you would read it with me. We are sent by Jesus together into the world to proclaim God's kingdom of peace. It's true that if you say things out loud, you remember them better. Actually, if you say something six times, you'll remember it especially better we're not going to read it six times together, though. I'll spare you that one. The next slide actually underlines a bit and shows a roadmap of how we'll spend the next few minutes together this morning. The first idea that we are sent, but we are not only sent, we are sent together. We are sent together by Jesus into this world to proclaim God's kingdom of peace. 
That's the sermon. See you next week. No. That's where we're headed. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, it is a joy and a privilege to be together um, with all kinds of people from our church family this morning, God. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach each of us something new about what it means to be your people, to be sent by you into this world, Jesus, to share the good news that you have indeed come to save us. We thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in and through us. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. As we get started, there's a bit of a video clip I want to share with you to just frame this idea of being sent, of being on a mission. When it plays, you may realize that you're familiar with where it comes from. If it's not familiar, I'll just preface it a tiny bit. Uh, There is a character in this clip who has just declared that he is going to take on this mission, this big task but he doesn't quite know where he's going. And there's a number of people who have been volunteering their support to help him on this mission. So we'll watch that real quick. Mr. Furtle's not going anywhere without me. No, indeed, it is hardly possible to separate you even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Wait, we're coming too. Send his own tied up in a sack to stop it. Anyway, you need people of intelligence on this sort of mission. Quest. Thank you. Well, that rules you out, then. I am companions. So be it. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? Gosh, I love The Lord of the Rings. Uh, So if you don't, I'm sorry. This is only going to last a few more minutes. Um, But that is actually the title of the sermon today. Great, where are we going? Christmas has happened. We've celebrated. If you were here on Christmas Eve, uh, I was sad to miss it, but not sad because I was with my family. Um, Candlelight service, silent night. Jesus has been born. Everything is great. What happens now? So our first point is this, that we are sent. I would invite you even to to look in the scripture with me. There's Bibles in the pew in front of you. We're in Luke chapter 10, zooming in especially into these ideas that are coming even just out of that first verse in Luke chapter 10. It says, the Lord, that's Jesus, by the way, appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. The word for sent here in the New Testament is the word in Greek that we get the word apostle from. You may have heard in the Bible, there's people like Paul and others that we give them this title. They're called apostles. Now, the word apostle just means someone who is sent. They're given a task. They're given a mission. They're sent to do something. All of you in this room are apostles. If you didn't know it, you can add that to your business card, put it in your email signature, Chris Lyons, apostle. Because you are sent by Jesus, All of us do different stuff in life, right? It may be that your main job right now 
is to be a student, to go to school, to do the best you can. Maybe this week, your main job is to enjoy Christmas vacation as much as you can until it's over. I know it's a hard job, and I know you have to go back to school eventually. Just do it for me. Do a really good job enjoying your Christmas vacation. Maybe you have some other kind of work. Maybe you work in the home. Maybe you're looking for work. I don't know what it is that fills your time during the week, but for people that are committed to following Jesus, our main job is actually the same for all of us. Our main vocation, our main calling is to be sent by Jesus into the world to proclaim God's kingdom of peace. That's your main job. No matter what else you're doing, you might not get paid money for it, but God says this is your purpose as an apostle. And where does God send us? In this passage, it says that Jesus sends out 72 people. If you flip back in the Bible to Genesis chapter 10, it talks about 72 nations. And we learn that 72 is the symbolic number for the whole world for everywhere. So when it says that Jesus is sending out 72 people, it means this is a universal mission. This is for everyone, everywhere, for all time to hear this good news that Jesus has come. And for some people today in our world, in our church community even, this might mean actually being sent far away to the other side of the world, to a foreign country, to a different place where they speak a different language, to be a missionary. That might be the case for you. But I think often Jesus sends us to places that don't feel as far away, but we still need to be sent to our own families, to our schools, to our friends, to our own churches. All of you are needed to do ministry within this church, to the barista at Starbucks. As a Christian, one of your most significant ministries might be just to these people you meet day to day, week to week, in the mundane, normal parts of life. Jesus has sent you just to the normal parts of life. We talked about the Apostle Paul in the Bible who was sent. Paul was a Jew, was super qualified to go preach to the Jews God sent him to preach to the Gentiles. But then also in the fifth chapter of Mark, there's this man who Jesus heals. Uh, The man has demons, Jesus heals him. And then he says, Jesus, this was incredible. I wanna follow you. I'm going wherever you're going. And Jesus surprisingly says, no. Go home and go back to your home, to your hometown and tell the people there everything the Lord has done for you. You may be sent home, you may be sent far, but I want to invite you to look at the picture on your front, at the front of your bulletin, or there's these houses that are similar up here on the stage. To me, this is a very cozy Christmas picture. I'm like, man, thank you, Abigail Platter, for your gifts of art, for making me feel cozy, just by looking at the bulletin. Uh, If we end with this picture of Christmas, if Christmas is just being cozy with our family, exchanging gifts, coming to church on Christmas Eve, going home, that is not the whole picture. Jesus did not come 
and die and send you as apostles so that you could go home every day after work and watch Netflix. Might be a surprise to you, but that is not your main vocation. Hopefully it's not the top five. You were not created to stay home. I almost named this sermon, Get Out of Here, because God is saying, I want you to get out of here. You are sent into the world to go. You have a purpose. The second part of this is that we're not just sent, but we're sent together. You see there again, just in that first verse of Luke chapter 10, that they are sent not individually, but two by two. Jesus sends them together. He knows that they need one another. Uh, When we dedicate babies here at Bethany, we pray for them that they would be led into a real personal faith with Jesus. Knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, being sent by Jesus is a personal thing, but it is never an individual thing or a private thing. Our faith is personal, but not private. Jesus sends us together. There's a picture we have uh, related to the clip from Lord of the Rings. Just to remind you, this is how we're supposed to be living as God's people, as the fellowship of the ring, as the fellowship of Bethany. Uh, There's another picture actually later in the movie or in the third movie when Frodo cannot even complete the journey by himself. And you may know the quote, you can finish it for me. Sam says, I can't carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but, but I can carry you. And it's just the two of them together at the end of the movie. And look at the screen. This, I think, actually quite seriously, is a picture of what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. We're on mission, we're going, we're sent by Jesus, but we've got to do it together because sometimes we're going to get tired, we're going to get it beat up, we're going to get exhausted, and we're going to need someone to help carry us along the way. We're going to need each other to help carry us along the way. I would invite you to look around this room for a minute, just at the other people that are in here. You don't have to look at me, there's better looking people elsewhere in the room probably, but Uh, Just look around. Friends, this is your church. These are the people that God has sent you with. God says when you are beat up, when you're exhausted, when you're tired doing this work of being sent by Jesus to share good news with the world, these are the people that will pick you up. And these are the people that God is calling you to pick up to carry in those seasons when they need help. So what was our first word? We are sent. Okay, try it again. You sound like, I was going to say you sound like a bunch of Lutherans. Uh, my, my Lutheran family isn't coming until the 11, so I won't make that joke then. Uh, we are sent, and we are sent. We are sent together, and we are sent together to proclaim God's kingdom of peace. There are lots of ways that we can proclaim. And proclaim, that's just a fancy word for telling people in a really excited way. There are lots of ways that we can proclaim God's kingdom of peace. I want to play a brief video of a guy named Brian Stevenson 
who is a lawyer, an activist, he works to bring hope to people in hopeless situations in the criminal justice system and often works to overturn wrongful convictions of people who are on death row. So the video is a brief interview with him and Oprah talking about how he learned what it means to be sent to bring peace to people. Okay, tell me what happened when you first went to death row in December of 1983. I was nervous. I was a law student. I was so anxious. How old were you? I was 22, maybe. Okay. And I went back there and I was, they had just sent me down there to tell him that he wasn't at risk of execution. And I was waiting for them to bring him in. And when they opened the door, I was just shocked by how weighed down with chains he was. He had handcuffs on his wrists. He had a chain around his waist, shackles on his ankles. What prison? This was in Jackson, Georgia, Georgia Diagnostic Classification Center. It's where death row is. It's where the executions take place. And when they got the chains off of him, he walked in. And I was so nervous. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm just a law student. I don't know anything about the death penalty. I don't know anything about criminal law. I don't know anything about constitutional law. But when I said, but you're not at risk of execution any time in the next year, that man said, wait, 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 say that again. I said, you're not at risk of execution any time in the next year. And he grabbed my hands and he said, wait, say that again. I said, you're not at risk of execution any time in the next year. And he says, I can't tell you how happy I am to see you. He said, you're the first person I've met who's not a death row prisoner or a death row guard. He told me that he'd been talking to his wife and kids, but he hadn't let them visit because he was afraid they would show up and he'd have an execution date. And we sat down and talked for almost three hours. And we'd only scheduled to be there for an hour. And so the guards got mad. They came in and they were treating the guy so roughly when they were taking him out. And I tried to get him to stop. And he kept saying, Brian, don't worry about this. Just come back. And they were pushing him out. And just before they pushed him out the room, uh, they shoved him and he didn't move. And he turned to me and he said, Brian, don't worry about this. You just come back. And then he did something I've never forgotten. He closed his eyes, he threw his head back, and he started to sing. And he started singing this hymn. He started singing, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still oh, praying as I'm onward bound. And then he said, Lord, plant my feet Be on done. higher ground. They started pushing him down the hallway. I could hear the chains clanging, but I could still hear him singing about higher ground. And things changed for me. All of a sudden, I knew I wanted to help condemn people get to higher ground. But more than that, I knew that my journey to higher ground was tied to his journey to higher ground. If he didn't get there, I wouldn't get there either. And that's what proximity does for us. I think when people get proximate to the problems and the things they care most deeply about, not only does it help them do better work, be better problem solvers, I think it changes them. I think when you get close to something that is um, meaningful to you, it changes you. And that's why I think we all have to find ways to get closer to the things we care about, the problems that burden us, the things that keep us up at night. We run from problems, most of us, but sometimes we have to run to the problem. Brian Stevenson is really an incredible man. I would encourage you to check out his book, Just Mercy, and there's a movie coming out soon based on that book. And he's a Christian as well. And he knew that he was sent by Jesus to go bring hope to these people in a hopeless place. That story he's telling eventually ends with that man's wrongful conviction being overturned and the guy gets released. And maybe that feels far off for you. You think, man, he's a lawyer. He can do that stuff. He has experience. I don't know if I'm capable of that kind of thing. I just read a story on NPR this last week of a family that had recently moved into their new neighborhood uh, in a suburb of Boston in Massachusetts. And they gave birth to a newborn daughter and about a week later found out that their daughter uh, was deaf. 
And not at their prompting, some of their neighbors put together some classes for people in their neighborhood to learn ASL. So this little girl could feel included, safe, at home in their neighborhood. Over the next couple months and years, 40 of their neighbors committed to taking weekly ASL classes in order for this girl to feel welcomed in their neighborhood. Now, those people are not necessarily Christians, but they are living out the fact, sometimes better than the church does, that they are sent to bring God's peace to people. Imagine if that were the posture that all of us lived with. They said, Tuesday nights? Yeah, I could give up my Tuesday night to help this little girl know that she can be at home in this neighborhood. So this is our job. We're sent by Jesus together to proclaim God's kingdom of peace. Christmas has come, that's great, and where are we going? We are going into the world to do the work of Christmas that now begins. So I end by sharing a poem with you from Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was an African-American theologian, educator, civil rights leader, actually a mentor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, And the poem is called The Work of Christmas. He says this, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. This is what God is calling us to as a community. And in a moment, we have the opportunity to spend a little more time in worship. And the first song that we'll sing is really all about knowing Jesus, wanting to know God in a real way. And the truth is that for us to be sent by Jesus, to share Jesus' peace, the good news of him coming to save us with the world, we need to know him in a real personal way first. So I would invite you as you sing to consider, God, how can I know you better? And by knowing you better, How can I share that with the world around me? Let's pray. God, I ask that you would shape us in these moments to be your people. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your life, of your death, of your resurrection. God, we want to know you, that we might make you known in this world. Uh, So to that end, God, we worship you, knowing that you're worthy of our praise. We pray this, Jesus, all in your name. Amen.